please have a seat. And as we've been talking about through the month of December, we've been talking about the coming of the Christ child. Well, guess what? Here he is. He has come. And in fact, the scripture says that his name is Emmanuel, which means what? Pop quiz. God with us. And that's such great news. Because the best part of all is that we don't have to be good enough to receive a holy God. We don't have to be perfect or sinless. We don't have to be anything other than who we are to receive the Christ child. Now, raise your hand if you know what this thing on this screen is. I had to actually look it up. It's a fingerling. Like, what in the world is that? You put that on your finger and it does something. I guess it hangs out. And we also discovered Hatchimals uh, this past week as well, which I'd also never heard of. And then also discovered googly eyes. Have you guys ever seen googly eyes before? So apparently, according to Google, which means that, of course, it's true. Apparently, according to Google, these are the top three kids' Christmas gifts of 2017. Now, I'm a little late on this because I actually got my kids some other stuff. But apparently this is what Google says are the top three gifts. So what if instead you got something that looked like this? What you're seeing up here on the screen in the upper left-hand corner is some gold. Now, mom and dad, that's not bad for a gift, right? And then the one over on the right is frank incense. It is incense that makes an oil and then you burn it. And what happens after you burn it? Makes a sweet smell like a plug-in right? But 2,000 years ago, right? Okay. And then the one on the bottom is myrrh. And these are the kind of gifts that the baby Jesus would have received from the Magi. And the Magi literally are just wise men. Now, we really don't know, frankly, how many wise men there were in the story that Lindy read earlier. We assume that there were three wise men, but if you look back in the scripture, you'll notice that the scripture never says that there were three wise men. It simply leaves them unnumbered. But we assume that because there were three gifts given to the baby Jesus, that there must have been one wise man per gift, right? That's just logistics, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that it was true. There could have been 20 magi, or there could have been two. Legend is that there were three which is one per gift. And that just works out really, really well numerically and logistically. Here's a picture of what they might have looked like. By the way, they were not kings. We believe that they were more like scientists. These guys were astronomers. They were people who watched the stars. They would look around for signs and they would look out prophecies and religions. And the scripture tells us, in fact, that by implication that they knew where the baby Jesus was going to be born mainly because King Herod, who is kind of the evil king, the protagonist of the story, King Herod was asking where the baby Jesus was going to be born. Did you ever wonder why he was asking that question? Well, mainly it was because everybody in Israel back then believed that the Messiah, who baby Jesus would be called the Messiah, Everybody believed that the Messiah was supposed to be a conquering military hero. You see, the uh, Israelites were oppressed by the Romans. They were slaves to the Roman Empire, as it were. And so Israel had a secret hope 
that a Messiah, a military hero, would lead a rebellion against the Romans, would conquer them, and would free Israel from captivity. And so when King Herod heard that the Messiah was being born in Bethlehem, according to a prophecy that had been rendered hundreds of years before, he got scared because the Messiah would have conquered him too. The Messiah would have kicked him out of his job and taken his place. And so as a king, he got a little scared about that. He wanted to know where the Messiah was going to be born. And what do you think he was going to do to the Messiah when he found him? Probably not some pleasant things, right? He was going to make sure that Messiah would not grow up and take his place. But that's what makes gold as a gift to the baby Jesus fitting. Because gold is a fitting gift for a king. And the baby Jesus is prophesied in Scripture and described in Scripture as a king. Now, you and I as Americans, we don't really get the whole idea of king very much because we have a president, we have a government, right? It's a little different than a king, you know? A king is a sovereign. Whatever the king says happens. And the king has subjects who bow down to the king and show that they are uh, loyal to the king. See, Jesus is a ruling king, but he's not a king that is cruel. He's not a king that rules in oppression. He's a king that rules by love. And so the the wise men giving him a gift of gold would be entirely appropriate. Now, what about the incense? This is the the best part of the other half of Jesus' job. The incense is an appropriate gift for a priest. And Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem riding riding triumphantly on the back of a what? ATV or what? A donkey. The reason he rode in the back of a donkey is because that's what the high priest would do. So Jesus functioned as king of Israel and priest. And so incense was a fitting gift for a priest. And Jesus functioned in that way because he served to connect us with God. Have you ever thought about that for yourself or for your kids before? Who is it that connects us to God? Typically, that would be a priest. Especially if you grew up in the Catholic tradition, the priest would be sort of an intermediary between you and God. So Jesus functions as our permanent, everlasting priest. He is the one who connects us to a holy and sinless God. The Bible says that we are conceived in sin. And being that we are conceived in sin, we have sin in our life. And sin simply means that we cannot please God on our own. But that's why Jesus came. Jesus came as a perfect and holy priest to sacrifice himself for you and me so that we wouldn't have to be perfect to be connected to a holy God. All we need to do is trust that Jesus is our king and our priest. And the Bible says that we have the most permanent and everlasting gift, which is life. We have everlasting life. But then what about this stuff that just looks like dirt called myrrh? Now, the Bible says that myrrh was often mixed with wine to give to people who were undergoing crucifixion. Crucifixion is when you were nailed to a cross as a capital punishment. So sometimes tradition says the guards would take some wine and mix it with myrrh, which would make it a bitter drink, and then we'd give it to the people who were going to the cross so that it would numb their senses 
it was kind of like receiving anesthetic. It would numb them, and their senses would leave them, and they wouldn't fully experience the horrors of the cross. But it was also used to embalm people who had passed away. So it was a very strange gift for the Magi to give to a baby. Why would you give a baby something that had to do with death? Why would you do that? Well, we believe the Magi really understood who the Messiah was. That he would be a king and a priest who would conquer death. And maybe they didn't get all the fancy theology of that. But something led them to give this very precious gift of myrrh to a little baby who, in fact, would one day grow up to sacrifice his life. He would give his life and go to the cross not because of an accident, but because he allowed it to happen to pay for your sins and mine. But not only to pay for your sins and mine, to pay for the sin of all people. The sin of all people across all time, past, present, and future. That sin was paid for by that same baby Jesus who was born miraculously to Mary, a preteen child who received the good news from the angel Gabriel that she would give birth to a son and that son would be worshipped as king and priest and the magi, the wise men, no matter how many they were, the Bible says they bowed down, they bowed down and they worshipped him as king and as priest. Well, I've got three questions for you about the magi and this is a tale of two, oh, this is two Christmas tales, a tale of two Christmases. This is the first one. The first Christmas is one that the Magi experienced. And my question for you is this. What did the wise men know? If you look back into the story, what did they know? You tell me. What did the Magi know before they even saw the baby Jesus? They knew there would be a star. And they would follow the star to where? Yeah, to where Jesus was in Bethlehem, right? So they knew where Jesus was going to be born. Why did they know where Jesus was going to be born? Because the Bible predicted the very town, the small town around Jerusalem named Bethlehem, where Jesus would be born hundreds of years before it actually happened. What did the wise men bring to see the baby Jesus? Three things. Gold, which is a gift for who? A king. And then incense, which is a gift for who? A priest. And then myrrh, which is a gift for what? Yeah, that's weird, huh? But that's what they brought the baby Jesus as a gift. And then here's another question for you. What did the wise men do? The Bible says they did not report back to evil King Herod. What did they do? They went a different way. They listened to God. They listened to the Holy Spirit redirecting them to a different place. So something happened to the magi, to the wise men, to change the course of their lives. They showed up with something, with great riches, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. That was worth a lot of money back then. They showed up with something, but God changed the course of their lives and took them in a different direction. Okay, now, let's look at the second Christmas. I told you in the beginning that this is a tale of two Christmases, right? Here's the second one. This is in Luke chapter 2. The Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Who is the them? 
It's the shepherds watching over their flocks by night. The Bible says that they, uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were what? They were sore afraid, one version says. Another says they were terrified. Now let me ask you a question. If one angel appeared and hadn't said anything or done anything yet, and the shepherds were terrified, how do you think that angel looked to them? Probably pretty scary. We can infer that by the fact that they were terrified that this was happening. But here's what the angel said. He said, do not be afraid. I bring you what? Good news. It will be great joy for how many people? Is it great joy for the people who can afford gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Or is it a good news for who? All the people. And in fact, the best news of all is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to who? To who? Who's Jesus born to, Mason? He's born to us, isn't he? He's the greatest gift ever. In fact, if you open Christmas presents tomorrow or even tonight, if you're that kind of family, we are. That's why we open presents. Because Jesus is the best gift in the world to us. And we don't have to earn that gift. Think about it for a second. How many Christmas gifts have you ever earned? Not one. Anytime someone's given you a Christmas gift, it was a gift. It was free. And it was not given to you because you were naughty or nice. Believe it or not. It was given to you because someone loved you. And it's the very same here. The gift of Jesus is given because God loves, not because we're naughty or nice. Here is how you will know. I am telling the truth, the angel says. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. How did the shepherds know which manger? There were mangers all over the place, but they were led right to the manger where the baby Jesus was. How did they know where he was? They were guided by the Holy Spirit and by their circumstances. There's a longer story behind this. This is really neat. Sometimes, sometime, if you get time, look it up. Look up how the shepherds knew which stable. It's quite a mystery and it's really intriguing. I'll leave it at that and to your devices. What did the shepherds know about the baby Jesus? They really only knew what who told them. The angel. They were on a need-to-know basis. If the angel told them where to go and what to do, and they did that, then they were to look for a baby lying in the manger. So there's another question for you. What did the shepherds bring to that meeting? Did they bring any gold? No. Did they bring any frankincense? No, they didn't. Did they bring any myrrh? They didn't have any of that on them. What did the shepherds bring to the meeting with Jesus? Only themselves. They only brought themselves. And was that good enough? Yes. Because that's what Jesus wanted for his birthday, which is Christmas. And God gave him what he wanted. He wanted them. Every stinky, smelly, uneducated, poor, ragtag one of them. And he does the same with you and me. 
He draws us. He brings us. He pulls us in to the great love that he gives us through Jesus. And there is no other love like it. And there is no way to earn it or deserve it. And that is the best part of all, is that we come with just who we are. So then the question becomes, what did the shepherds do? If you remember the story from Luke chapter 2, the shepherds got really excited and they ran into Bethlehem and they did what? Told everyone. They told everyone they could get within earshot about the miracle that had just happened. They had seen an angel who had scared them within an inch of their life, but then had given them good news, good news of great joy, which will be for how many people? Only the rich people with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? All the people, no matter how wealthy they were, no matter how special they were, no matter how old they were, no matter how tall they were, no matter which suburb they lived in, no matter which school they went to, no matter which job they had or jobs they had, no matter how big their house was, no matter how much stuff they had, he was going to be good news of great joy for all the people. And he's still good news today. Good news that brings joy. And we learned a few weeks that joy is a little different from happiness, isn't it? Happiness is about something that comes from the outside. Joy is something that the Holy Spirit plants inside you that cannot be changed by external circumstances or by how much gold, frankincense, and myrrh you might bring. So the question becomes for you and me, just like the wise men and just like the shepherds, what is it we know? What is it we know about the baby Jesus? Was the baby Jesus born for you? Did we learn that in the Scripture today? The Scripture was pretty clear, right? The baby Jesus is born for who? You can point to yourself and say me, because that is true. You can also point to the person on your left and say, for you, because he was born for you. You could also point to the person over on your right and say, for you, because all three statements are true. So what is it that we bring? What do we bring to God? to make us acceptable for, before Him. Not a thing. Only ourselves. We only need be who we are. And God looks at us and loves us and gives His Son to die for us and expects nothing in return to earn that favor. But then he calls us into a new life. A life that has purpose and meaning and power. And part of that purpose and meaning and power answers the question, what will I do with myself? God makes us a part of the good news that comes to all people in Jesus. He makes us have the opportunity to participate in what God does, blessing the entire world through a tiny little baby who was born about 2,000 years ago. And the blessing of that baby is for how many people? All. And so it's the people that we know at home. 
It's the people we know at work. It's the people we know at school. It's the random stranger we ride the bus with or the train with. It's the person we work with for 20 years. It's our neighbor who picks up stuff out of his yard and throws it in ours. It's the person down the street we've never met. It's the person at school who gives our kid a bad grade. It's the boss who's mean. It's the neighbor who's kind. It's the friend we love. It's every single one of them. And God gives us the power through the Holy Spirit to be good news to all those people. And in that good news, we receive power and encouragement from on high that is never ending, will never end. It will last how long? Forever. And that's the best news of all. So my hope is, as we go into the next 24 hours, no matter what we do, no matter who we see, or no matter where we go or how far we travel, whether it's 30 minutes or 700 miles, we know that we are a part of the blessing that God gives the world in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that helps take some of the pressure of Christmas and wash it off my back like water off a duck's back. Is that how the good news is for you? Do you find good news in the night Jesus was born? You know, there's a reason we sing Silent Night and light candles, which, by the way, we're not going to light live candles here in our rented space at Burkett. We're going to light some electric candles. But there's a reason why we light candles and sing Silent Night. Have you ever thought about why that is? It's because in a world of darkness, all it takes is one little light to light up the room. Isn't that true? If you go into a dark closet at your home and turn on even the smallest, tiniest flashlight, you can actually see stuff in there, right? You may not want to see what you see in your closet, which is why it stays dark most of the time, right? But the same holds true for one little candle in a dark room. Jesus is called the light of the world. A world that is living in darkness has seen a great light. So when the angel Gabriel came upon the shepherds and they were terrified at the light they had seen, that was a mere fraction of the light that Jesus will bring when he returns on the clouds. The scripture calls him a light shining in darkness. The people living in darkness, spiritual darkness, have seen a great light. So as we close and pray, we're going to invite Angus and Lindy to come up. They're going to lead us in silent night. And it's okay that it's 11 o'clock in the morning because we're singing about one special night 2,000 years ago that was quiet when a baby was born in a stable and the light of the world appeared. So what I'd like to invite you to do, if you have one of our special candles for candlelight silent night, go ahead and turn that on. It's a little switch right here on the bottom, just like this. 
If it doesn't turn on, just give the battery a little push. It'll turn on. And then we're going to turn off the lights and we're going to sing together. Before we do that, would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for being the light of the world. Thank you for giving us all that we need to trust and believe in you, the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we confess to you that sometimes we try to be our own God. We try to solve our own issues. We try to be big enough to worship, at least for our own worship. So God, we confess that to you and say, you are a sovereign God. You're a king. And God, sometimes we attempt to be our own priest. We attempt to get to you on our own power and do our own things to try to be good enough to please God. We confess that to you and lay down that mantle now. We lay down that burden so that you may be the priest you were always made to be for us. And we confess, God, that sometimes we trivialize your death on the cross. We accept and realize now the full force of that death being for each one of us. That death was for me, just as same as the power of the miracle of your birth was for me and all those I love around me. So God, I confess these to you and receive from you not only your forgiveness, but your everlasting power. I receive from you all that is needed to be yours, to be your child. For me, that's a light shining in a dark place. Even a very little one will light up the room of my heart. So we pray and love you, God, and we worship you now in these old words as we lift these lights high. In your name we pray and together we say, amen.